So, Lee, thanks for joining me. Tell me what you're here to talk about today. We are here to talk about the five biggest mistakes when implementing a, a CRM system. Lee, tell us a bit about yourself and your background and how you came to start your own business and what you're doing and how you help people today. Yeah, um, I left school at 16 and I didn't really know what to do with myself. I tried college, that didn't work. By the time I was 17, I was working in an IT department in the NHS, actually, and the office was located next to the next to the mortuary. So, yeah, that's sort of where you expect to be when you're working IT, isn't it? Fast forward to about 2010, I was working for a, an IT outsource company called Bridge Partners. They were selling internet and some bits and pieces, like products and services, we call. Fast forward, and they, they spanned that, became its own business, that products and services, it became an internet service provider. Two years later, I headed that up, became the MD, and that evolved into a 3 million turnover business with 27 staff. Well, that's how I transitioned from IT to business and learned about business. In 2019, I went to an event called Zoholics, which is the, the main event, the main Zoho event in the UK. They have them all over the world. And um, went to that because I was implementing Zoho uh, in the business because we were at that size and scale where we needed, you know, we needed to have some joined up processes and systems and Zoho seems like a good option. And when I was there, I had a, I had a kind of a bit of an epiphany, really. I felt like I was at home. I just felt like this is potentially my future being at this event. Bridge Fiber was sold in about 2020. So I was trying to figure out what to do. I'd worked with the Zoho partner while you know, I was MD. So I, they actually employed me for a while. So I became, so I went from being MD to an employee which I did, I couldn't adjust to, to be honest, because I was used to being a managing director. You became unemployable. Yeah, I became unemployable, I suppose. Yeah, I did. But yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed some of the elements of working, working there. I wasn't the owner of Bridge Fiber, but I kind of had a taste of, you know, running my own thing. So for that brought me to 2022, where I decided to have a, you know, I, I decided I wanted to do Zoho consultancy. The doors were actually closed to become a Zoho partner. We can explain what Zoho is in a minute because I'm sure a lot of the listeners have no idea what Zoho is. I started to be a Zoho consultant, which is a business, Zoho is a, is a suite of business system apps. I thought it'd be great if I could be a partner as well because I weren't accepting new partners at that time. I did manage to become a partner. That's kind of an, another story. But yeah, so I think that hopefully sort of brings up to date as to you know, why I, I am a Zoho partner now. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously you've mentioned Zoho a few times and I'm, kind of familiar with it in kind of in, in parts and things but maybe for people who don't know what it is do you want to give us an overview of of it the way to describe it springs to mind they're like another microsoft or google but they're, they're the one you probably haven't heard of they are as good as those products you know in many ways you know, all of all three of those vendors have pros and cons Zoho has pros and cons it's better in some areas, it's not good in others, but for me as a whole package is what it can offer to SMEs in particular and enterprise, I guess, but I mainly focus on SME. It is un unparalleled in its entirety as a package. There's some of its parts, you know, I think it's a phenomenal package. Another interesting fact about it is it's a, it's a bootstrapped company as well. So it's had no external investment. It's been built from, you know, the founders just building it slowly and over 20 odd years. I think it's 27 years or thereabouts at the moment, 27 years old. And it's a bit, and it's only last year it became a billion dollar revenue company. You know, your own boss, you've got your own business. So, so what is the name of your business and 
when, how long have you been running that now? And kind of who are you working with? It's just over a year old now, the business, in terms of when I left the Zoho, when I was from employment to starting the business. The business was actually established a bit before that. It was just sort of an idea. So if you look at Company's House, I think it was established in 2020. Yeah, the actual actual business has been operational you know, just over a year. The company's called Work Grow, and it really goes nicely with the tagline, which is We Know Zoho. So the idea is Work Grow, We Know Zoho is the kind of the name and the tagline combined. You know, you start by telling us, you know, you've got five things you're going to talk about, the biggest mistakes that people make when yes. they're implementing a CRM. So the first one is lack of clear objective. So what problems are, are we trying to solve, you know, with Zoho or, or, or the CRM system of your choice? Yeah, it's good to think about, you know, think about that because I think sometimes, you know, you, you know, you need a system because you've got, you know, chaos and you're trying to run the business from a spreadsheet, but it's good to just to think, you know, what are we actually really trying to achieve? In my experience, you know, when you ask someone, why did you use that system? You know, if it's a CRM or whatever, it's usually because someone in the business signed up for a free trial three years ago. Someone went, oh, we need a CRM system. Oh, cool. Let's Google it. And then someone has signed up, stuck their credit card in, and that's what they use. It's really quite bizarre. Normally when I'm, you know, and not just for CRM, but, you know, if I'm ever speaking to someone because obviously our customers who sometimes want advice to help choose systems, and I always say to them, well, look, in order for us to help you, you kind of need to start by helping yourself. So what you need to do is like write a shopping list. So here's the things that we want the system to do. Like, what are the deal breakers, absolute essentials? And then what would be nice things to have, right? Once you kind of know the things it has to do, then you can start to have a conversation. And I think that's maybe what you're suggesting is you kind of need to know and have some sort of plan around it. Yeah, I mean, to ask across the business, you know, and it may, you know, I deal with business size of, you know, three people, you know, the smallest and normally up to, you know, can be 50 odd. Often there's one person has a clear vision you, you, yeah, it's good to tap into other stakeholders as well. You know, make sure we yeah consider all of the different different needs. And obviously, I know you're it's Zoho Consultancy, but from my point of view, is if a customer says, "Oh, can you recommend three options of a system that does X and Y?" Inevitably, when you go back to them, there's more people in that meeting than what there was in the initial meeting, and you've now got like five people going, "Oh, does it do this? And can it do that? And will it do this? And how does this work? And how does that work?" And like. You know, guys, it'd been really good if you guys were here in the beginning and you've actually asked these questions. And now I've gone and wasted my whole time because now I'm going off down the wrong path for what it is actually you're looking for. Yeah. When it is an art, there's an art because you can have too many voices and I like to put a wide net out to begin with. And this, this applies to lots of the, to the other points, actually. You know, you have to go quite detailed initially in all the needs before you can then, then I like to simplify everything as much as possible. But you have to do that wide net to begin with to capture as much as possible and as much voices as, as you do. So as a consultancy business then, do you have your own kind of process that you take customers through to kind of figure this stuff out? Yeah, it's it's an evolving process, as I'm sure you can imagine you know, you can imagine. So every project for me represent a slightly tweaked methodology to the previous one. You know, the current methodology is to is is to send out a, a Zoho survey, of course, and just, you know, gather you send that to as wide as possible. And then that gives everybody a chance across the business to input into it. And then you can take that data, you know, to the key stakeholders. So that's a nice way to throw that wide net that I mentioned and then bring that into a workshop. 
I had a workshop recently which had the whole business in it, and that yeah, that didn't really work. I was like twenty, yeah, I was getting twenty people, and but the learning for me there was to be clear about the volume of people that you really want in a, in a workshop because I take some culpability for not communicating that to them, you know, and you know, turn up and there's you know the whole the whole company was there, so I had to sort of reduce it slightly. And the feeling, you know, I hate to think that people are sat there bored. You know, it just sort of puts me off, really. So, I like to keep it concise and have to keep everybody engaged. Twenty people was quite a lot. You know, it probably felt like you were trying to herd cats that day. You know, it's like you know, like this is good that people are you know here wanting to contribute, but you know, we we're not going to be able to give all twenty people what they want. If you take twenty people, you'll always find you know there will always be some dominant voices often, and once you get to that volume, and they'll they'll take over anyway. Yeah, it just becomes almost a one to one. You know, which is fine, but then what's the point of having 20 people in there? You know, I might as well just have it down to, you know, five, five is really the maximum I like to go with at the moment. But yeah, so that's really about just sort of taking it back to the first point, which was, yeah, lack of clear objectives. So it's about casting that wide net and, and just really trying to understand what we're trying to achieve, why we're trying to achieve it. So number two, and I've got down for that one, ignoring the user needs and training. The user needs is kind of a bit of a repetition of point. We've kind of covered that, I think. But the training is absolutely critical for, for a successful CRM system. And as much as I like to build a system that doesn't need training, you know, you know, I always try to build something which just leads people through, you know, there's a fantastic feature in, in like a CRM called blueprints. You know, you just press a button to move to the next step. And when you press that button, it tells you what you need to have filled in in the CRM before you can move forward. So you can, and that's fully customizable. So I love to use that feature because it does reduce the need for training. However, you will still need to provide training and ongoing training as well. But that's why I think it's important, you know, if you're going to implement a system that's going to kind of touch all parts and all kind of people in the business, then the training is really important because nowadays, like when everything's like an app, right, it's like easy to sign up for stuff. Um, and, 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 most good SaaS platforms, they might have a YouTube video with lots of like tutorial videos. They might have that kind of thing when you log in and it takes you on a tour of the system. You know, I hate those things. They're really annoying. It's like, just get, click, 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 get, get rid of it. Right. Just let me see it and let me play around with it myself. And then I'll figure out the bits that I can figure out and the bits I can't figure out, then I'll go and look for answers for. I hate those tours that they give. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Although when I do go through them, I'm sort of glad I did, but I do like to click through them as well. I think it's not a man thing. We don't like reading the manual. It feels like it's sort of a bit like that. First thing we do, isn't it? Chuck the manual away and then like kind of read it later. Do you know what I mean? It's like if a man's ever struggling with something and he can't get something to work, always ask him the question, did you read the manual? Just so that he can look at you in disgust and go, of course I didn't read the manual. <laughs> okay, why do would they I mean? do that? Like, why, would, why would I do that? It's just a waste of time. You know what I mean? But I'm the opposite, to be honest. Like I love reading manuals and stuff like see when i get a new car i will literally take the handbook out of the glove glove box and i'll be reading it at bedtime i'm one of these people that i have to know how every feature works what it does and everything else like don't get into zoho then because it will drive you crazy too much to learn (laughs) one thing that really frustrates me right is if if i'm in someone's car and like there's something like a beeping noise or something or i'm like what does this button do and then they go i've got no idea i'm like like that really frustrates me. I, how can you? How can you be driving a car? Like, could you imagine if you walked into the cockpit of an airplane and you said to the pilot, "What does that button do?" And he went, "No idea." 
you would expect them to know what every single button does. And they do know what every single button does. But people drive a car, yet they don't know everything that the car does. I'm like, that blows my mind, right? Yeah. But that's what that's what yeah, that's what I like to do. In the CRM, that's why I remove all the button. I remove as much as possible. So it's all, you know, just the buttons that you'd you know, that you'd expect to see. And, but even having said all that, you can't take all of the buttons away. You can't take all of the options away. So that's, you know, so you Are you trying to, to say that you make it idiot proof? I do try my best. Yeah. But it, you can't say that. These are users. Sorry. What you're really doing is you're improving the user interface. Yes. Streamlining the user interface. There we go. There's a better terminology. That's the polite way of putting it. But yeah, but I think the point here is is training, you know, and people do overlook training as well. You know, quite often, you know, for stuff, certain things that we do, we will add like a training, like sometimes like if someone's moving, say someone's migrating to like SharePoint from Google, right? We all say, well, we should really have a, like a half day training session. Some people are like, no, I don't think we need training on it. It's like, well, okay, but you probably will. And your users will probably then have to raise loads of tickets with us because they won't, they'll struggle to do basic things that we could have just kind of wrapped up you know, in a, in a half day training. Yeah, there's um, also, yeah, exactly. And, you know, even just things like that are male or, you know, you, you tend to deal without that, don't you? Which has become a lot more simplized, sim- simpler, isn't it? A lot more streamlined, I think, for you, the cloud. Is it, do you typically have to use users on the cloud version nowadays or, or the desktop? And so for Outlook? Yeah. Well, I mix. Most people have Outlook kind of locally with, you know, Microsoft 365 in the background as their, as their mail app. And they yeah. still run the desktop version on, they run the, yeah. Because, that you know, let's be honest, the cloud apps are good. Yeah. But doesn't beat the kind of the, the full fat kind of desktop client, right? You know, because you're kind of restricted with some of the stuff that you can do in the web. And, yeah. And especially when it comes to things like, like Word on the web. I don't know why, but like if you ever open a Word document in Word on the web, mm. it just looks terrible. You know, the format is all over it the place. Look. The page breaks just they're all in a different place. So I always just make sure I use the, the desktop. Yeah, app. sure. But we don't have that option in Zoho. They have to use the cloud. But they're, but that's their only version. So, yeah. they, so it's good. Know, and they're focused on that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not saying Zoho Write is better than Word. I'm not necessarily saying that, but it, you know, they are good products and they're focused. I think when the cloud, you know, if your only offering is the cloud, then you make it you make it the best it can be. Whereas for Microsoft, they've traditionally been, you know, you would download and install Word and Excel and everything else. The cloud offering is like a an alternative version kind of for them and it's just not quite as slick as using the it's like the feature limited, isn't it? I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know it's the reason for asking that I hadn't know, didn't know whether perhaps Microsoft did you know, moved, you know, fully embraced cloud and it, it perhaps feels that they haven't, perhaps they're still, their model is geared around the, you know, the apps on the Windows laptop. Oh, they sell those, don't they? You know, so they don't mind you having the Windows laptop with the software on, I suppose. Yeah. No, I mean, the, 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 the web app stuff is good. That's, you know, that's, I'm not going to criticize it too hard. It's just that sometimes if you've created a document locally and then you open it in the web app, the format and it's all over the place and it's just not as not as nice to kind of work with. And let's be honest, we like what we we, we like to use the things we're used to, right? Yes. But yeah, so so the training so really that's sort of bringing it back to the training, it's what I was trying to go with that thread is yeah, even a male client, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't take it for granted. You know, training would be valuable. You know, how to use Zoho Word, how to use sort of Zoho Word, Zoho Writer. You know, the, the let, uh, especially the CRM system, because 
you know, you can bet that when a new user comes to that, they've never seen, you know, there's a, they might have used Zoho CRM before, but it's going to be a customized version that's for that business. So we have to leave. So the training and the onboarding is absolutely critical. Number three. Number three. This sort of relates again to what I was just talking about, which is complex and over-customized implementation for your first build. I should add to that. It's important that when we do the first phase, phase one, as I call it, or you might call it an MVP, a minimum viable product, you know, it's important that we, that we don't try and do absolutely put all the bells and whistles in from, from the beginning and just build a good foundational system within mind of where we want to be long term, all the automations that we want to have ideally and some, or at least some idea of what it will be. Get that first system built and operational, get that project completed. Otherwise, you know, you, your phase one and your first project potentially could just drag on longer than you want it to because you're trying to do too much with it. And then that allows you to get your users in and using it and providing feedback. You know, you know, get them trained up on that phase one, get them comfortable with it. It's doing the basics. It's doing, you know, it's doing what you need it to do. And then we build from there. So it's easy to fall into the trap of, you know, I've worked with, you know, various or different kinds of business owners. And often the scale I'm working at, I'm dealing directly with the business owner and they've got this grand vision on how automated they want absolutely everything to be. But I suppose actually that does relate because what they've got themselves into is a bit of a mess because they haven't really got the foundations right first and built that and then added on all the, all the fun bits. So that's, that's point three. Automations and integrations is like the holy grail of IT. Everyone kind of just have had a pound for every time someone said, can we just get that system to, you know, send data over to that system, you know? Of course, now, nowadays, you know, it's a lot easier to have integration, especially when you've got third-party tools like Zapier and things. You can build integrations between systems a lot easier. I mean, I, I have a ton of integrations, even simple things that you think, can I automate that? The answer is usually yes nowadays for most systems. If they're on the cloud, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's unusual you know, if you can't integrate with those. Yeah, and it's usually that question is that, you know, if if when something happens in this system, can it do trigger something else to happen in another system? You know, yeah, you're right. I mean, automate automate where possible, but it's a good point not to get too distracted by all like the kind of shiny, sexy stuff without yeah. getting kind of like the kind of the core stuff kind of in place. Get the core relationships built in the system. Yeah, and then add on new automations. Then you, then you just to keep getting, yeah, you're just kind of constantly improving it then. That's cool. And so number four. But first up, I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT services buyer's guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyer's guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download and this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential IT partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing IT company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the IT support services that you are being offered. Now, let's get back to the episode. And so number four, I've got down sort of not planning for scalability 
and you know thinking about your future needs. So an example of that one that springs to mind would you know not not to talk bad of HubSpot. HubSpot's a perfectly good product, I'm sure. You know, I think what a lot of people do, and this actually relates to what you were saying earlier, Mark, which is someone signs up for the free version. And that, you know, that seems great. And HubSpot offers a fantastic free version. I'm led to believe I've not actually had a chance to play with it yet. It's on my long list of things to do, but it offers a lot for free. When you're one or two people, that's actually fantastic. But as you grow, it might not do what you need it to do and it might become expensive quickly. And I think HubSpot is quite a lot more than Zoho, for example. So yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a trap that I've seen a lot of people fall into. I mean, just to add to that, you said it can become expensive. HubSpot definitely will become expensive the minute you start to have to pay for it. You know, we've been down that kind of route. We don't use HubSpot, and particularly for the reason is this, that their billing is not friendly for small businesses. And what I mean is that when you start to pay for HubSpot, it's a minimum of five users. The thing that I found is that you know, we've got a lot more than five users in M3 here, but I don't have five people that we need to use, like a sales CRM. I need like two or three users, you know, and I've tried to negotiate, you know, and say, well, we don't need five. Can, you know, I'm quite happy to pay the per user price, but for two or three, and there's just no flexibility on it. And I've even had the conversation and said, well, but you say that you are a, a CRM for SMEs, but how many SMEs need that many users, you know, for a particular need or requirement? So, so yeah, pricing is a big issue for anything, but particularly, as you've said, some of these freemium tools are great if you only need what you get for free. We invest your time more than anything into what many yeah. free time, isn't it? Yeah, some, some systems, and this, we're not going to beat on HubSpot too much. because No, it's a great, I'm sure it's a great product. It is a great product for free, but the, the point is, is that a lot of these kind of freemium type tools are very good at giving you enough to get you hooked into using the system. And but the problem is, is that if, if, it, if it's a year down the line that you realize that you need something you need to pay for and you've spent a load of time and stuff into it, and you're now relying on it, you go, ah, actually, now we want to do a little bit more. Because that's the thing, as you've said a minute ago, you know, start with the baseline, all the extra stuff that you might want to use in the future, you might not realize that you need it for the future because either you don't have a need just now or you've done the sensible thing, which is what you've said, which is, you know, start, get the basic functionality right and then kind of build on, you know, from that. And that's obviously the journey that, you know, companies like HubSpot know that people go on, you know, you just get your feet under the table, start using the system. And then you start to go, oh, it can do this, it can do that. And then you start turning on other things, automations and other things. And then you suddenly go, ah, actually, now that's going to cost me like six grand a year, you know, to get or whatever it is. Five users, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. worth mentioning, you know, it's going to sound sound a bit salesy, but I think it'd be remiss of me not to mention, I haven't mentioned Zoho's pricing and their packages. So they're, they're, they have this incredible package called Zoho One. And if everybody in, the, the condition is that everybody in the business takes a license. There's a, you know, if you basically if you use a computer, you have to have a, have a license for it. But it's only if you buy it annually, it's thirty seven pounds per user per month, and that includes for over, like forty plus. So it includes all the key, all the key apps, DRM, his own mail, file storage. So it could replace Microsoft and Google for that. If you so if you've already got Microsoft and Google licenses, we can take that off the thirty seven pounds. You know, if you're happy to 
you know, move away from Microsoft, but not many people are, which fine. Yeah, it's, it's just an incredible value, value for money package. So it's just worth you know, for your listeners. Yeah, it's just worth, you know, it's just worth them being aware of that. And it can, it's totally scalable because you've got those 40 apps. You can start off with just what you need and it will cover almost 100% cover any, anything that you would want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. It, well, it includes a Zoho creator app as well. I don't know if you, if that's a low code app. So even if their apps don't do what you need it to do, you can, Build, within that license, you can build your own app. Right. Okay. We'll do it. Okay. And in my view, on the scalability thing, is hey, that's you know, I've seen it countless times where businesses went off down the route with a particular app or you know platform, and then you know five years later realize that actually it's now not fit for purpose because it can't scale as the business is scaled. So scalability, absolutely. You know, we build scalability into you know, any network and stuff that we design, but it similarly goes along with software because I think a lot of people, I think maybe just assume that, you know, software is infinitely scalable because it's software, right? You know, it's not a physical thing. That it's, So scalability in software is kind of really important, you know, especially if, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure it's maybe different for Zoho, but just, I'm just using an example. Of if you find out that there's a limit to the number of users you can have, you know, so, I mean, and then you've talked about Microsoft and Microsoft Office, and it's the same here. So, like, because Microsoft have enterprise like licenses for for the three six five products, and some people go, "Well, when do I buy the enterprise product, and when can I buy like the enterprise product is is a lot more expensive, and it's because it's after three hundred users. So that's what Microsoft class has. So up to three hundred users, you can buy like Microsoft business standard right and that's the typical license that most businesses will use after 300 users you need to switch to enterprise licensing and it becomes really more really expensive because microsoft quite rightly say well if you're a business of that size then that's what you should be paying you know so let's be honest you know 98 percent of businesses in the uk have got you know under well under 300 staff it's a small niche isn't it that's above 300 users and they probably don't mind about spending a bit more money so I think that only leaves us on number five already. Yeah, so the last the last one is a mistake would be to not continuously monitor and improve. Yeah, continue taking feedback from the users, continue monitoring against your KPIs and your reporting. And a CRM system can always be improved. An IT system can always be improved. And I think, you know, it's, and I think most of that learning will come from listening to your users and and maybe your customers because you know you, you might be fully you know fully integrated with your customers as well you know using zoho you might have it set up to a point that you're pretty semi-automated in terms of all of your customer engagement so you need to listen to that you need to test that check that what about zoho in terms of continuous improvement within the system and development are they, are they pretty good at they release out you know new features on a regular basis yeah it's and- relentless yeah it's it's, it's non-stop so it's so it's a struggle to keep up with it actually across across the forty well sixty five apps. Well, you just um, need to read the manually. I mean, yeah, read you know, all sixty five manuals at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I do. No, like you, I do geek out if I'm interested in the product. So, you know, so whereas from IKEA and self build, you know, I'll try and I read the manual because I have to. With Zoho, I do. I do actually read the manuals. I can't read all of them, unfortunately. I couldn't even tell you all sixty five apps. I'm honest. They do improve them. They do. They're constantly improving. 
and and I'm sure there will be some some listeners that have used Zoho before. Maybe they looked at it five, ten years ago and decided oh, this doesn't compare well to Microsoft or to Google. They are improving all the time. So, you know, it might be worth having another look. Even if you didn't you know, you didn't think much of it when you looked at it five years ago. I use Zoho Mail. So I I've used Microsoft products effectively since ninety six when I started Windows three point one or you know, DOS back then. Word, you know, we've always, always used Word and Outlook, etc. And uh, but when I started my Zoho consultancy, obviously as a fresh start, and I thought I'm gonna use Zoho, I'm gonna use all of their product. I love Zoho Mail. It's a great product. Yeah, really, really good. And that's because they're, they're continuously improving it. You know, it's improving it, and that works across all of all of their apps. So yes, they do. Is Zoho incorporating any AI technology into the platform? Yeah, they have been quite some time now, actually. It's actually called the Zia. So you can see what they've done there. The Z, the A, the I and the A, and they've, they've made, they've called it, they've called the AI the uh, It's in development, should we say. They've got some strong ideas with it. It was really a, with the advent chat GPT kind of revolution that happened, you know, towards the end of last year. They have in the States integrated that kind of AI, you know, the generative kind in with that, with the US. So in the US, you can, you can tap into the, you know, more, more GPT or generative style AI, but it's not available in the UK yet, unfortunately, due to this thing called GDPR, which seems to be getting in the way for some reason. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why, but they do, they do have it. And again, it's, it's something with Zoho. There might not be a bit like Apple, I suppose. There might not be the first to implement it, but it, you, you can bet that it's going to, it's coming, you know, and it will, it will be in the system. I think anyone that's not already got it, you know, incorporated into the system is definitely working on it. I just thought I'd ask the question. Yeah, but we can we can hook it in, you know, with using an API. I've got some projects where I'm where I'm integrating some AI automation in there as well, so we can add it in. But it is there, it is there, and in, in different shapes and forms. And the last thing to ask then is, and we know you're incredibly busy already, but what is the best way for anyone listening to get in touch with you? So the best way would be to go to my website, I think, would be a good starting point because that will show, give you an idea of uh, my pricing and my methodology. So you can go there and I've tried to be, you know, as transparent as possible so you can get a good sense of, you know, what it would be like to work with with, with me. So that, that website is workgrow.com or I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find workgrow on LinkedIn or my name is Lee Parton, but dare I say there'll be some notes the podcast you get the yes link, links to all that there and you might even find my mobile number there just find me if you want let's have a chat yeah good to hear that you have pricing and things on your website obviously a, a student of the marcus sheridan methodologies as well not many partners will put the pricing on there it's a, it's a bit out of context because it just says how much the volumes of time are but what i need to add to the website is examples of project sizes and then you can small crm would be this medium large yeah, you can get an idea. So you can, if you're speaking to other partners, you can straight away see what my day rate is. It just saves saves time, doesn't it? it makes it easier for everybody. Hey, man, I'm all for it. You know, transparency, getting to the point quickly, all good. Thanks, Lee. Pleasure. I really appreciate it, and I hope it's been an enjoyable experience. Yeah, it has actually. I've enjoyed it. If you'd like a quick chat with me about anything I've discussed in this episode, or you have a specific question about any aspect of your IT or cybersecurity, you can book a call in my diary. Just head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash meetmark. 
And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app for future episodes where I'll dive deeper into other IT and cyber related topics. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.